صلى الله وسلم عليك يا سيدي ويا مولاي وابن مولاي يا أبا عبد الله يا رحمة الله الواسعة ويا باب نجاة الأمة ويا عبرة كل مؤمن ومؤمنا ما خاب والله من تمسك بكم وأمنا من لجأ والتجأ إليكم يا ليتنا يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز فوزا عظيمة السلام على الحسين وعلى علي بن وعلى أصحاب الحسين جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إذا جاءك المنافقون قالوا نشهد إنك لرسول الله والله يعلم إنك لرسوله والله يشهد إن المنافقين لكاذبون. So in your gathering, with a remembrance of Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. as a gift to the soul of Sayyidina wa Mawlana wa Azimina Ali ibn al-Hussein Aliyun al-Akbar recite the second salawat I would like to humbly ask all my honorable Distinguished brothers and sisters, the sisters already know my request. If you see a chair in front of you, please eliminate all the gaps possible. Take that chair in front of you, and if you are sitting here, please move fo as forward as you can. As forward as you can. All this area, please. Fill this area because... We are running out of space and we want to be able to accommodate everyone as they enter. So if you can, yes, if you can give up your chair and move forward, we would highly appreciate that from you to hasten the reappearance of Sayyidina wa Mawlana, Sahib al-Asri wa Zaman, 
for Allah to shower onto this gathering with His mercy and compassion, I ask for your three loudest salawats ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. <laughs> this area, brother, sisters. <clears throat> If we had the chance to meet any prophet of God, who would we pick to visit with and converse with? And if we were given a chance to ask any prophet of God a question, one question, what would that question be? Many individuals met many prophets of God. Many individuals met many disciples of, of prophets. Many individuals met the successors of prophets, including the Prophet Muhammad. Including his immaculate progeny. And they had chances to speak with them and converse with them and ask them. And those conversations have been recorded within the course of history. There are many books that we may not even be aware of that speak of the conversations people had with prophets, questions they ask them. Since you are connected to the divine, since you have a direct line of communication with the Almighty God, here is my question for you. And the vast majority of those questions were related to people's sufferings or their needs or the fact that they wrongfully thought that this life is meant to be a happy place, a place that every day you wake up in the morning and you go to sleep and it's as if you're on a permanent vacation. So they went to the prophets and they asked them, I'm having problems with my wife. I'm having problems with my son. I'm having problems with my teenage daughter. Help me. I don't want problems in my life. I want to grow my business. Give me a secret ingredient. I have 10 sheep, I want to make them into a hundred, teach me. I don't have enough resources to start a business, give me a supplication, a dua. Where can I find a husband, where can I find a wife? Or for example, they would go to the prophets of God, the messengers of God telling them that we believe in you. We believe in God. We pray, we fast. How come we still suffer? How come our life still has problems, difficulties? But we see other people, they don't believe in God. Their life seems to be more comfortable than our life. Why? Because we only see the exterior of people's lives. We don't know what's going on inside their homes. Therefore, they would come and ask such questions from all the prophets, all the messengers, while they had access. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this conversation within the Holy Quran in numerous occasions. And this conversation, by the way, is still taking place. Until today, people ask the same exact questions. In fact, if the Prophet Jesus were to come back, if Moses were to come back, if Abraham were to come back, if Muhammad were to come back, those would be the same exact questions people would ask. And Allah in the 90th chapter from the Holy Quran addresses this topic. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I swear in the city that you live in, Ya Muhammad, لا أقسم بهذا البلد وأنت حل بهذا البلد ووالد وما ولد لقد خلقنا الإنسان في كبد Who is your creator? Allah Allah is clearly without any shadow of doubt is telling me and you that I created you and there will be challenges in your life. لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَد كَبَد you're in a constant test. Allah makes an eminent promise in the Holy Quran. وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ All of you will be tested. بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ With fear, وَالْجُوعِ Starvation, hunger, Lack of wealth, lack of health, separation from loved ones, death, miseries, natural disasters, earthquakes. وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةً قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ But today, when I look at my Instagram feed and I find that some people, their life is a permanent vacation. He's opening his laptop next to a big beautiful pool and he says, guess what? You guys going to 9 to 5 job, you're a bunch of losers. Look how I made 10 million dollars in less than 3 months from my laptop while I was taking a dip in the pool. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to be doing something wrong here. Why don't I try to buy a big home, though I can't afford it. Go on a big vacation, though I can't afford it right now. And just buy a laptop and try to make a passive income that's going to be, you know, $500,000 a month. Because I also want to live that happy life. People have been victim to such people since the inception of life until today. And they still fall prey to such individuals. Victims to such individuals. But there has always been... A small group of people, handful of people, that when they had access to the messengers of God, when they had access to prophets, when they had access to Amir al-Mu'mineen, Ahl al-Bayt, look at the life of Amir al-Mu'mineen. He says, Saluni qabla an tafqudooni. Ask me before you lose me. How many of those individuals asked meaningful questions? <clears throat> Some of them, they wanted to test Imam Ali. He says to him, Ya Ali, tell me how many hairs do I have in my beard? As if he would know. But some few individuals, and we owe our religious identity to them, our legacy to them, our understanding of religion to them, not the majority. They went when they had access they went and they told the messengers of God. They told the imams. They told the Ahlul Bayt. Look, I am here. And what I ask of you is you advise me. You tell me what I need to hear. You give me the best advice because I will not be able to ask all the right questions. So I won't ask a question. Here I come with an understanding that I am limited. And I, am, I have access to this vast knowledge that is connected to God. I want you to give me advice. 
And if you go to all the prophets, if you go to Abraham, Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, and his Ahlul Bayt, you find once they're asked this specific question, the answer is the same. They all have had the same message. They all have given the same advice. What would that advice be? Hasibu anfusakum qabla an tuhasabu. Judge yourselves before you are judged. Police yourselves. Evaluate yourself. Monitor yourself. Do not police others. Do not judge others. And when we attend the majalis of Imam al Hussein, essentially we are here to ask him, Ya Aba Abdullah, give us advice. We are incapable. We are here to ask you for advice. And the majalis of Imam al Hussein should offer this exact advice to us. Hasibu anfusakum. Judge yourself before you stand in front of the ultimate judge in the day of Qiyamah. Qabla an tuhasabu. And amongst the blessings of the month of Muharram is that we sometimes go through an information overload. We like to listen to five lectures, attend 20 majalis, go here, go there, and that's good. I'm not questioning that. But sometimes, brothers and sisters, we should look for quality. Slow down. Slow down. What do I mean, slow down? Slow down and think about the simplest things that we have ignored. Imagine you have a gathering at home. And you invite 200 people. And 200 people show up to your home. Especially if it's a majlis of Imam al Hussein. And by the way, this city is known for having house majalis, bringing the barakah of Imam al Hussein into their homes. May Allah bless you and protect your homes. And those 200 people, you would listen to them, you would honor them. You would cater to all their needs. You would be respectful to them. If they ask you for anything, you would right away, here, take. You need water, you need food, you need... So you can be the best of hosts because they are your guests, right? Now imagine if you slow down, you take a break... You don't have to go through that information overload of having to attend 20 majalis a day. But you invite yourself, you become the host, and you invite yourself over for a real conversation. We need this, brothers and sisters. You don't ask your body because we constantly ask our body for questions. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you comfortable? Are you sleepy? Do you need a shower? Do you need a haircut? Do you need a massage? What do you need? But we never bring the body to host the soul. So I invite you, brothers and sisters, to sit down and to invite yourself on a one-on-one -on -one conversation of soul searching of a journey within this nafs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifted to us. And ask yourself very, very, very simple questions. Nobody will know the answer besides you and Allah. Because even when you whisper, even when you don't whisper and you think, Allah says in the Quran, I record those thoughts. I have access to those thoughts. You think them, Allah knows them. Ask yourself simple questions, especially my younger brothers and sisters. Ask yourself, do I really believe in God? What does it mean for me to say I believe in God? Just to say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, or no? 
Maybe I don't. Because I superior, I, I trust people more than I trust God. So do I really believe in God? When God commands me something, do I run after that or do I run after what pleases the people? Because this is a form of shirk. So, I mean, nobody would ask themselves this question in public and answer it in public. But you're here, you're private, you're, you are your own host. Be kind to yourself. Be generous to yourself. Be honest with yourself. Am I a mushrik? Not in the sense that I stand in front of an idol and I bow to an idol, no. And the sense that the Ahlul Bayt defines shirk to us. That if I look for 1% out of the 100%, for people to say, he's done a good job, then this is a form of shirk. Do I truly believe in Prophet Muhammad? Am I truly a, pro a follower of Muhammad? Do I truly believe in the Quran? Do you see how simple those questions are? But how important it is that we have this conversation with ourselves. Am I truly a follower of Ali? Do I truly believe in him? Have I failed them? Of course, I'll speak for myself, yes. How many times have I failed them? Many. But do I regret that? Have I tried to amend that? Who am I as a person? Am I real or am I fake? Am I living a lie? As a teenager, do I do justice to my parents? Am I kind to my parents? As a mother, am I a good mother? As a father, have I failed in parenting my children? Bismillah. Be a host to yourself. Be your own guest. Nobody's there to judge you. You are there to judge yourself. This is what it means when Rasulullah says, be a judge to yourself. Judge yourself. Evaluate yourself. Ask yourself those questions. And it is time that we not only do that, but we ask ourselves and our community and our families even a more important question. That within the course of history, while religious individuals, those who attribute themselves to the religious organizations have forgotten, have neglected to judge themselves, what has been the result? You see, if you look into the Holy Quran, you find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the people lose faith and they run away from faith and they lose their connection with God not because of individuals who publicly say, look, we're atheists. We're agnostics. But they lose their faith and they run away from the religious institution and the relationship is cut with the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of those who claim they are religious. They are people of God. In fact, they represent God, but they misrepresent Him. Because they don't judge themselves. They don't evaluate themselves. They take religion as rituals only. Practices of the body, but not the soul. The soul is not engaged. And this is not something new. Read the Quran from the very first existence. Habil and Qabil. Their intention, their niyyah was put to test. It's Habil. Abil, Adam and Eve, four people on the face of this earth. And I want to tell you that this problem existed while only four people lived on the earth. Allah says, both of you, Habil and Qabil, give an offering. One of them gave a big offering. 
but for the wrong intentions. He wanted to be chosen as a prophet after his father. So he brought a big, big offering. The other one he didn't have. He was incapable. Not all of us have the ability to donate $100,000. Allah knows how much you have. Sometimes $1 is worth more than $100,000. Allah knows that. Allah is the judge of that. Not the people. Not anybody else besides you and Allah. And the other one, he gave a small, as much as he can. Allah accepted the one that had more purity, more conviction, more ikhlas in the niyyah. And what happens? This guy is so upset at the judgment God has given, at the verdict God has given, that he kills his own brother. And the same thing happens, and it continues, and it continues until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, listen, I'm going to descend an entire chapter in the Holy Quran, my last revelation entitled, The Hypocrites. Be wary of them. They do not represent me. They claim they represent me, but they do not represent me. God has been extremely clear in the Jewish scriptures, in the Christian scriptures, in the Islamic scriptures, in the Abrahamic faiths, that the holier than thou are not my people. Don't confuse them. If they do something wrong, and they misrepresent me, don't say God is a bad God. Because this is what we're suffering from today. People who do things in the name of God, people who claim they have, uh, they have been chosen by the Almighty God, and they make mistakes, like everybody does. We're infallible. We're not infallible. And people say, if this is Islam, I don't want to be a Muslim. If this is a Shia, I don't want to be a Shia. God has been very clear that the holier than thou are not my community. Those individuals use religion for their own agenda. And I tell you, Brothers and sisters, today the reason why we're losing numbers, quality, is not because your child is going to a high school and the science teacher there is atheist. Let's be real. We're not losing numbers because their math teacher has said something about Islam. We're not losing numbers because you know, they're watching Netflix. God says, since the inception of religion until today, the biggest roadblock for people to access religion and faith has been those who misrepresent God. And He has been very clear with His prophets. Do not ever... Act like you're holier than others, even prophets. You may ask me why, how? I'll tell you, Ibrahim. Ibrahim, I mean, do we have anybody greater than Ibrahim? No, of course not. Ibrahim, he had a good habit that every day he has to have his meal with someone, doesn't eat by himself. So he went around, he went around and he didn't find anybody. Suddenly he saw a shepherd. He said, oh shepherd, please come, eat with me. So he sat, he ate. After he finished, Ibrahim said, raise your hands to Allah. He says, who? Raise your hands to Allah. He says, what's, what's Allah? He says, Allah is the one who gave us this meal. He said, I thought you gave me the meal. Allah is the one that bestowed this animal upon us. He said, I thought you just sacrificed one of your own sheep and lambs. I thought you're the one that I should think. He says, you don't know God. He says, I don't know God. I have no relationship with God. He says, shame on you. If I had known this, I wouldn't have fed you. I would have went and found a mu'min to feed. 
And I'm sure at that moment, Ibrahim thought he was doing the right thing. And he was probably proud of what he had done. Allah immediately descends Jibra'il. Jibra'il, go to Ibrahim. Tell him, for 40 years I have been feeding this man. Not once I required from him to say, Alhamdulillah. And today you only gave him one meal. One meal. And you have this required from him. Represent me in a different way, in a more loving way, in a more compassionate way, Ya Ibrahim. Similarly, they say Musa ibn Imran, one day he was in the desert as he was a shepherd. So he saw a man, he's sitting there and he's saying, I wish you were here so I can comb your hair. I wish you were here so that I can bathe you and give you a massage and take care of you. So Musa says to him, who are you speaking with? He says, oh, I'm just speaking to God. So Musa says, God, you're going to bathe him and give him a massage and read him a bedtime story? You don't know what God is. Shame on you. He's a simple shepherd with his sheep. So he said, what should I do? He says, for you, nothing. Just be quiet. Don't speak to him. You're a fool. I'm adding those things, by the way. And... Immediately, Allah descends Jibra'il to him. That, Ya Musa, it's been 40 days that this person has been quiet. He spoke to me every day. I loved hearing from him every day. Now he's quiet. He's not speaking with me. Go and tell him to speak to God, to speak to Allah, to speak to his Creator. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been firm even with prophets that amend and create relationships with me. This is your job. And he says to the prophets, do not judge them. I am the judge. Do not shame them. I am the judge. Do not put them down. I am the judge. Do not ever let them feel that they have no chance. In the midst of the night, in the midst of the darkness, history says people would go in Masjid al-Haram. And you know Masjid al-Haram, nowadays it's buzzing and it has people and 24-7. At the time, Masjid al-Haram after Salat al-Isha, nobody would be there until sunrise. In that moment, Imam Zain al-Abideen would go and he would hold on to the ropes of the Kaaba. And he would say, Ya Allah, everyone is asleep. All the kings have shut their doors. All the rich are sleeping. Even my family is not here to listen to me. However, your door is open. You are listening to me. You know me. I beg for your mercy. I plead for your mercy. I plead for your forgiveness. One of his companions, he says to him, Ya Ibn Rasulullah, if you say this, and you are the grandson of Rasulullah, what should we say? What should we do? Look at the Ahl al-Bayt that they were the exact opposite of those who acted like they are holier than everyone else. Though the Ahl al-Bayt, it is our aqidah and belief that they are indeed holier than everyone else. But they never acted like they are holier than everyone else. They never told people we are above you because we are the Ahl al-Bayt. Because we are the chosen ones. He says to him, Ya Hada, listen to me. Allah has created Jannah for those who obey him. Even if they are insignificant, impoverished slaves, God gives them Jannah if they obey him. وَخَلَقَ اللَّهُ النَّارَ لِمَنْ عَصَاهُ وَلَوْ كَانَ سَيِّدًا قُرَشِيًّا And Allah has created His punishment for those who disobey Him even if they are a Sayyid from Quraysh. دَعْكَ مَنْ أَنَا وَمَنْ أَبِي 
Don't tell me who I am and who my father is. Allah will look at my a'mal on the day of judgment. We learn from the Ahl al-Bayt that they never encouraged the attitude of being the holier than thou. In fact, they disciplined their companions never to act this way, never to say that we have the Ahl al-Bayt, we are above you. When they would do that, Imam al-Sadiq would say, Kunu lana, wala takunu Beautify our name. Don't bring embarrassment to us by this. Don't bring shame to us. Be representatives with your akhlaq, with your moral standards. And I am here to tell you, brothers and sisters, some people will say, yes, we have a lot of such people in our community. And the, the thing is that we have to expose them. <laughs> it's funny how we try to fix a problem with another problem. Never works that way. Allah in the Holy Quran, 63rd chapter from the Holy Quran, He does not mention the munafiqeen and there were many of them. According to the Quran, around Rasulullah, what He gives their qualities, the holier than thou, those who pretend they are full of iman, but they are empty of iman. Allah speaks of their qualities, their characteristics. And He mentions them. We should not go and look for who is a hypocrite. We should look at the traits within me. Do I have any traits of a hypocrite? I should work on them. And I should discipline those around me and enlighten them that those are the qualities of hypocrites. Stay away from those qualities. That's all my, my task should be. Because that was the task of Rasulullah Because sometimes my moral compass may read someone as a hypocrite, but they're not. And I'm there exposing them all over the... It doesn't work that way. I'll go through this very quickly, inshallah. And tonight is the night of Aza. What are the qualities mentioned in the Qur'an? Four qualities. Very quickly. Number one, the qualities of the holier than thou. Those who do riyah. Those who have ujb. Those who have traits of nifaq. Is that they believe they have a monopoly over God. And they have a monopoly over religion. And that their way is the correct way. Everybody else is wrong. That their actions are the blessed ones. Everybody's actions, everybody else, their actions are a failure. Their conviction is the true conviction. But your conviction, you're a loser. And this comes out. Unfortunately, in a time where we must all be united in the majalis of Imam al-Hussein, in the season of Imam al-Hussein. Number one, the forms of azadari. Brothers, sisters, nobody has a monopoly over the forms and types of aza. Nobody. Aza is an expression. An expression of your grief. You may be sitting in a room by yourself. Contemplating over a moment of Ashura, your heart breaks and a tear comes down. That could be the greatest form of Aza. Or you may be standing in front of a crowd of 1,000 people and you may be beating your chest and doing, you know, the extremely perfect type of matam with its rhythm. But for people to see, and there is nothing in that remaining for you. And I cannot say his aza is wrong and your aza is right. Aza for Imam al Hussein is a personal thing. Now, some people, they discredit those who, for example, they don't do matam. They are less azadar. Who are you to judge them? If you don't do this specific aza, then you are not a Husseini. Who are you to judge them? You don't have a monopoly over God. You don't have a monopoly over Shia Islam. You don't have a monopoly over Imam al-Hussein and the aza of Imam al-Hussein. 
Or no, the others, they say, if those people, this is the type of Hussein, they beat themselves like crazy people, this is not Haza. Again, it's none of your business. Let us not pretend we have our, my understanding of this is the correct way. Second, and I'm going to be very candid, that's my marja' represents Imam al-Mahdi. Your marja', he represents the shaitan. My marja' is the chosen one. Your marja', he's not, he's not a marja'. He does not represent Shia Islam. He does not represent Imam al-Mahdi. Who are you to be the judge? Did somebody give you a monopoly over Imam al-Mahdi? And the Shi'i madhab? And the interpretation of the Shi'i madhab? Please, if you have some document from Imam al-Mahdi, show it to us. If there is a revelation that you have received, tell us. If there is an ayah that has been descended recently, read it to us. Now, all of you, inshallah, you don't engage in such behavior. But sometimes we listen. You see, Allah in the Quran says a person who listens to the Quran and a person who reads the Quran, they get the same thawab. If somebody's reciting the Quran and you're listening, you get the same thawab. But if somebody's doing this, accusations, lies, ghiba, namima, fitna, and you're listening, you also get the same punishment, same adab. Same haram. There is, don't say, oh, I, I, I was just there. So I didn't do anything. Number two. The holier than thou, a trait of hypocrisy is showing off. Oof. Some people, they love to show off. In his house, his salat al-dhuhr is 30 seconds. In the masjid, it's four hours long. Dua between salah, dua kumail every day. Ziyara, he's doing ziyara of not just 14 ma'asum, 124,000 prophets. But people need to go home. People have a life, they have school tomorrow. Their children are falling asleep. He has to pick up his kid and put him in the back of the car. In fact, if you read, if you truly represent Islam, read the hadiths. The hadiths say, in your home, pray four hours. In the masjid, the quickest salah. The quickest salah. Salli salat adha'afihim. Rasulullah would pray the quickest in the masjid and the longest at home. That's why we in the school of Ahlul Bayt, we don't have tahajjud in jama'ah. Salat al-taraweeh for us, the reason why it's not accepted is because go home, pray this, and do tahajjud all night of Ramadan. But the masjid, you have to be quick. You have to be easy. And people see this. People are not blind. Your youth see this. And there is nothing that makes them run away from the religious institutions such as scenes like this. Which reminds me of Mullah Nasruddin. Mullah Nasruddin, he went to a village. And they told him, in this village there is a guy, he is one of those guys. Every time, for example, somebody is reading the Quran, he says, Allah, 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 and he faints. So said, why did you faint? He said, because the ayat, they have an impact on my soul. I fainted. Ajeeb. And everybody was saying, this person has a karama, this person has mu'jaza, look at what the Quran is doing with him. So he would stand, and the way for him to earn a living was he would tell people, read Quran, they would read Quran, he would faint. Then he would tell them, I don't have time to go and make money. I don't have time to go to work. I'm here to faint for you. So people would give him money. Please pray for us. Here is, you know, five golden coins, ten golden coins. And he had a treasure. Buhlul or Mullah Nasruddin. He said, okay, I have to pay this village a visit. He went there. 
And he tested him a few times when the man trusted him. They had a relationship. He told him one day, let us go somewhere. So he took the whole village with him and he went. And then he told everybody, now we have to go up the ladder in order to access this home. The main door is locked. And people that lie, they forget. So he sent this person first while the whole village was watching. As soon as he went in the middle of the ladder, he said, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. This man, he looked. It's not time to faint. The Quran is not working now. So he got to the last, he got to the top of the building, he looked around, found a comfortable spot, and then he told him, Buhlul, please recite some more Quran, and then he fainted. Yes. People see through this. And the Ahlul Bayt have taught us, even if you have this, even if Allah has blessed you with such a heart, don't reveal that to the people. Be protective of this. Act like the rest of them. You have this blessing from Allah. Experience it at home. Between you and Allah, who nobody else is watching. Islam teaches us, give charity, nobody should know. Do tahajjud, nobody should know. Read the Quran, nobody should know. Do istighfar, nobody should know. Number three, those individuals also are constantly in a journey of emotional terrorism. They terrorize people emotionally. They make them feel small and insignificant that your experience with God is less than mine. That you're no good. You're a failure. You will never be good enough. You're worthless. You and your whole family, in fact. They pass judgment. Look at her husband. Never comes. Sits in the front line of salah. Look at this person. Doesn't know how to do wudu. Look at this person. Look at her hijab. Look at her daughter. She took off the hijab. Look at her daughter. She put on the hijab. Look at her daughter. She's wearing this color. Look at her daughter. She has. And those people, they feel intimidated. They are expelled from the community. They run away. They say, if this is what it means to be religious, I don't want to be religious. I don't want to be part of this environment. This is too toxic for me. Instead of saying that, I'm here to support you. You're struggling with your hijab. I'm not a judge. Allah is your judge. You're lucky that Allah is your judge and I'm not your judge. But if you need my help, I'm here to give you help. If you need support, I'm here to offer you support. A person comes to Imam al-Sadiq, he says to him, Ya Ibn Rasulullah, sometimes I see kuffar, mushrikeen, and I, in my heart I say, they are such losers. I have God. I mean, come on. They're mushrik. You have God. Imam al-Sadiq, you know what he tells this man? He says to him, what if before you end your life, this person finds God and he's devoted to him in his worship and you lose your access to God. So thank Allah for the ni'mah of iman, but do not judge him. If you have guidance, offer guidance, but don't judge him. And number four, they have a hard time telling people that they also struggle with faith, that they are not infallible. What do you mean, Sayyid? People like you also struggle with faith? Yes. Religious people struggle with faith? Yes. Everybody struggles with their experience with faith. Everyone. In fact, we should say this loud and clear that if you see people like me making a mistake tomorrow, don't attribute that, self, that to Islam. Know that I have my own struggles. We only have 14 ma'sumin. The rest of them are all fallible. If one of them makes a mistake, it should not let me feel that I should leave faith. We have to admit, if I admit that I have my struggles 
and I understand that you have your struggles, then let us be more tolerant of one another, more forgiving, more accepting, and let us help one another build that community that Allah has pleased with. That, brothers and sisters, is the summary of what Jesus would tell you if he was here and Abraham and Noah and Muhammad and all the Ahl al-Bayt. For us to create an authentic community. And tonight, we remember a man who most resembled Rasulullah, not only in the way he looked, but, on, but also in his akhlaq. Imam al-Hussein is a witness to this. Aliyun al-Akbar. Ashbahu al-Nasi khalqan wa khuluqan wa mantiqan bi Rasulullah. Allahu Akbar. And he was the most beloved of Hussein's children. And he looked like Rasulullah. He sounded like Rasulullah. He walked like Rasulullah. He had the akhlaq of Rasulullah. He had the piety and the manners of Rasulullah. This, this person now goes to individuals who acted like Muslims, but there was no Islam there full of hypocrisy. They surrounded him and killed him. Let us send our love and our salutations to him. He is right next to his father, Hussein, because his father told him, I don't want you to leave my side. Ya Ali. He was the beloved of Hussein. And he reminded them of his grandfather, Amir al-Mu'mineen. Let us send our souls, our hearts. Tonight we do Aza, tomorrow we do Aza. I don't want you to remain silent. Ya Sayyidana wa Maulana Inna tawajjahna I see the brothers and sisters after the three, four lines in the front. Nobody's reading. Nobody's doing aza. This is your opportunity. This is an opportunity for you to do aza. You don't need to look at me. You can close your eyes. You can take your heart to Karbala. Ya Sayyidana wa Maulana Inna وَاسْتَشْفَعْنَا وَتَوَسَّلْنَا بِكَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَقَدَّمْنَاكَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ يَا عَلِيُّ بْنُ الْحُسَيْنِ يَا عَلِيٌّ الْأَكْبَرِ يَا وَجِيهًا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ اشْفَعْ لَنَا يا وجيه 